Welcome to the Curiosity Solution. I'm your host, Beverly Beal. Join us as we explore the science of curiosity, share stories of people who've used curiosity to improve their lives, and maybe inspire some aha moments along the way. Okay. That was a little bit of a hiccup there. I don't know what happened to the rest of my uh, intro, but hey, here we are. Uh, It's Beverly Beal. It's uh, wonderful to have my guest and friend, Kadena Tate. So Kadena and I met, uh, I think we were talking before we started the show that um, in, was it 2005? Yeah. And every time I get on a, in a conversation with this amazing woman, she has some new nugget of gold. And I can only imagine um, what else happens when I'm not around. <laughs> but just a real quick little synopsis uh, for those who may not understand just what a phenomenal human this person is. Um, she actually has had experience uh, in the Air Force um, where she was uh, looking at everybody's bones, doing all the x-rays. She was working for British Airways for many years. She was a real estate broker with Keller Williams, was doing training, and is now a business model designer and revenue strategist. Talk about a curvy road to get from point A to point well, I don't know what point we're on right now, <laughs> but it's, um, you know, this is the kind of story in my, in my mind that is the absolute epitome of using curiosity as a um, way to find creative solutions to whatever the need is. So anyway, welcome, Kadena. I, is there anything else that you'd like to add to that little, you know, two second intro? <laughs> No, I would say that the feeling is mutual. (laughs) No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Beverly. So because our focus today is about curiosity, my first question to you is, what was the motivation for you to make that first step to, to join the military? Because, I mean, not that I have anything against the military. It's just that I would not have pegged you as um, someone who was extremely interested in pursuing a career in that in that area. Oh, you nailed it. It wasn't the right <laughs> fit for me. <laughs> but my dad was in the Marines for four years, and then he was in the Air Force for 30 years. And back then, you know, he was quite bossy and controlling. And so I wanted to- A father's bossy? What? Hello, right? But thank God I had a father. So hey, a mother and a father, let's be clear, who were married to each other and who loved each other. But the two of them together, I called them. Now today I know the term is helicopter parents. And um, so when I turned 17, I was like, oh, I'm getting up out of here. That's what I'm about to do. So I, I thought my path to freedom was the Air Force. So that's why I went into the Air Force. And um, why did you I- You went become... from one helicopter to another. <laughs> exactly, right? But why did I become an x-ray tech? Because my dad um, was the military entrance processing um, officer at the MEP station in New Orleans. And since I was so you know in my head and ego, he orchestrated behind the scenes for me to get a guaranteed- job so that, you know, I just wouldn't go in there. You know what I mean? Like you can do whatever job they give you. So that's the reason why I had that specific job. And you uh, didn't know that he was orchestrating that. Oh, absolutely not. No, I didn't find out actually until maybe like two years after I went in. And I'm really grateful because, you know, my father, my father has passed on now, but he was really wise. And even though he was crazy when I was younger, his words, not mine, right? Because he said to me, you know, maybe like 10 years before he passed away, he said, I know I was crazy when you were younger, but you kids don't come with the manual. And I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And so- As a parent, I agree. I agree. Uh And so that's why, you know, I give he and my mother grace because none of us know what we're doing. But the good news is, you know, they they gave me a strong foundation upon which to build. So I'm grateful. Yeah. Yeah. So you you keep you've got this whole 
plane thing going on, this whole, you know, air thing. So you went from, you know, the Air Force, the helicopter parents to the Air Force, then going to British Airways. (laughs) You, you just, you just were wanting to explore, weren't you? I will say that. And it's funny that you said that because when you were talking about your podcast, it was going to be on curiosity. I said, isn't it interesting how I've always wanted to travel? You know, it's like a metaphor, right? Um, Inward and all around, right? So that's like a consistent thing in my life. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is your fearlessness at going inwards to explore what lies in the depths of our psyches uh, and how that then translates into what we do, how we approach business, et cetera. Um, In fact, that's one of the reasons why I have found our friendship uh, and our collaborations to be so valuable because uh, between the two of us, you can take a look at how a business is being uh, put together I can then help people look at, well, how is this showing up in your physical environment? What are the words that you're speaking uh, about this? And um, you can ground a lot of those um, pieces into, into like a business frame and a marketing format um, and, you know, with your strategic uh, visionary approaches. I can help them with the underlying you know, energetic issues and exactly. how that translates to what is surrounding them using the feng shui and the, and the, the transformational coaching pieces. So that's been real, a really wonderful thing. So Kadena, um, we were talking before we started recording and realized that um, it was 2005 when our paths crossed. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about why you wanted to meet me or why we why we had to be why we had to get together? Because we clearly- Well, it's funny because it's the perfect segue from what you just said about our gifts, our 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 separate gifts, and then how that looks when we come together. So as a real estate broker, one of the things that I would notice is that when I would meet people who wanted to sell their homes, there was a misalignment. They were trying to sell these old dirty houses that to them, it was home. And I was trying to get them to understand this is a house to a buyer, you know, yeah. and anybody can present a house. But if you want someone to step into this space and see it as their own, we got to clean some stuff up, not just physical cleaning, which they needed deep cleans, but energetic wise, you needed to rearrange your furniture, reduce clutter and so on. And so I said to some different people, hey, I need somebody who stages property, but not just anybody. I need somebody who understands, you know, that people, they say they want to move, but energetically, They're trying to stay and sabotage their own sale. So I need somebody to come in and clean out the energetic debris. And if I remember correctly, I think it was Michelle Barr who said, oh, I know one woman who does that. I only know one and her name is Beverly Beal. And she introduced (laughs) us and we met at this little, like very brief story. We met at this Thai restaurant and it had a door like, you know how you have those doors over here and a door over here. So it's like, no matter where you sit, somebody's back, but both people's back is going to be to a door. Uh And I said to you, Oh, and you chose the restaurant. And I, when I walked into the restaurant, because the food was really good. It was, that's what you said. And I said, it better be. And I said, and you, and I looked you dead in your eyes. I had never met you before. And I said, you must be something special because I don't sit in restaurants with backs of my I said, in another life, I think I was a criminal because I am terrified to my back to the door. And you and you did like this. Stop that, girl. <laughs> and I just remember laughing. And we literally had a two-hour lunch. And then we both were like, we got to go. And we traded numbers. And and there she went. Yeah. That's it. There we are. And, and, and you've been stuck with me ever since. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Oh, I love well, it. I mean, we've done a couple of other, um, you know, retreats yeah. together and we, we've yes. put workshops on together. So, you know, we, we have a, a really a wonderful, <laughs> we've had a lot of fun, especially before I moved to Austin. It was, uh, you know, easier to do a lot of that work. 
but um, you know, again, kind of coming back to that, you know, the, the unease of having a door behind you, that, that is a feeling of, you know, you don't know who's, who's coming up to, to sneak up behind you. Yeah. So that's why in feng shui, it is very important to have a solid wall behind your back so that it's a protective thing. You don't want anybody coming, you know, nobody, nobody wants to be surprised. That's why working in cubicles is so uh, challenging yes. because yeah, it's a great way to, to work with space, but you're constantly having that fear of somebody coming up around you. And it just, it's distracting your ability to stay focused. Like, Oh, well, who, who's coming around? Even if you're home alone, your cat or your dog or the, the creaking house, yeah. it, it, it takes your focus away. And those little micro, um, Oh, what's the word for it? You know what the word I'm talking about. We having to to, to refocus. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a word for it, and it'll I come know, to me exactly. probably yes, when we finish yes, this. Yes. Yeah, but but here's the thing, you know, that because this is the curiosity solution. It is I like to find out where people hold curiosity in their body, because so for me, when it I I run across something, you know, sometimes I'll see something that's interesting but doesn't necessarily draw me forward. It doesn't pull me forward. Um, for me, it is. it tends to be more of that feeling of like the front part of my body, usually like in, uh, in the heart and the, the stomach yeah. area. So the you know third and fourth chakras, for those who understand this, it's pulling me forward. And it's, it's like my energy field wants to open up and embrace it and absorb it. And for me, that's how I know that this is the way to go. That's the curiosity piece. Otherwise it's just, you know, intellectual. Okay. The word I was going to use is masturbation. So we're just going to say it. Uh, <laughs> and that's fine too. You know, I think it's important. Well, to... thing, there is. It's mental masturbation. Absolutely. Hmm? Yeah. So how about you, how, do, how does that show up for you? It's interesting. The illustration that you just gave, because I always look at it as though it's the heart's invitation for where I want to plant my feet now. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, um, so for example, people will say, how did you become a business? Why did, why did you become, excuse me, a business model designer, a revenue strategist? Like, why did you take that path? And I said, because where where my feet wanted to go was I wanted to have a deep understanding from root to core to crown of how businesses work, how to lead, teach, and inspire people. And at the same time, how do you become compensated? At, like, I needed to know all of this. So it was like from a spiritual place, right? It was here, right? But the outcome, if you will, or the, the desired end result my feet needed to land in that seat of knowing. So literally, I can't, um, I I can't harness enough desire to be curious for the curiosity to, to sustain me if I don't want to go where it is. That has a lot to do with why you know, like people will say to me, "Oh, you don't really watch a lot of TV, or you don't do whatever." That's because it can't take me to a place where I can see the outcome. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure for some people, they're like, oh, she's no fun. But <laughs> that's if my outcome. Is, wrong. <laughs> right, I, exactly. Because I'm 10,000 tons of fun. But if, if the outcome is for me to um, relax and be at play and something like that, then yes, I can study a travel destination or whatever, watch videos, play, laugh, dance, sing, whatever. But I'm talking about just the driving curiosity to become the highest version of myself. It's always outcome-based. Yeah. Wow. You know. Heart-centered outcome-based. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, we all have very limited time on uh, this planet. And, you know, you said that your father is now passed, mm -hmm. um, as are both of my parents. And so, you know, I'm also getting to that age where the there are more years behind me than there are ahead of me and so it it makes it less interesting to to just fiddle around uh you know i i've always had a more serious side of things i want to know something and explore it 
but there needs to be a reason behind it. Yes. You know, is this good? But even then, so sometimes I still don't know why is this going to bring, you know, bring me closer to my goals? Why do I need to know this? And there, because there, there have been many times when I have been inspired to go in a direction going, I really don't know why I'm supposed to be doing this. Like when I took the job uh, selling magazine advertising, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I had a background in sales. I didn't have any, you know, it was like, okay, I really don't know why, but I need to be here. I need to go. I mean, it was, it was such a strong energy push, like a hand on my back, put your application in here. But the, it was because of that experience that I had to figure out how to clear this energy of that space in order for joy water to be born mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of the other essential oil uh, based uh, space clearings that I do now. So, so what would you say was the most unusual push, I suppose, in a direction um, that you didn't understand why you were being led there? But you now later looking back, you go, oh, it's because I needed to be there for this person or for that experience. So what would you say would be the most uh, interesting and unusual um peace. So I'm going to reframe that just slightly for myself because I have a slightly different philosophy which will affect my answer. So I believe that everything that happens to you is all a part of the divine master plan and there's lessons in all of it, right? So what might look like, oh, why am I going down this road? I never even think, why am I going down this road? What I'm actually thinking is what is here right? What's down this path, right? That's here for me to learn, to discover, to whatever, right? But what I would say to your point of, do I know? So earlier when I said, I need to know where my feet want to land. Sometimes people think I'm talking about goals and sometimes I am, but oftentimes it's how I want to feel, right? Mm -hmm. Because I come from a background of doing, lots of doing. And so I need to feel more ease, more grace, more joy, because otherwise I'm just like, right. So I would say to your, to your point about like, what's, what's a direction that I've gone in where I, I didn't know, like, how do I want to feel at the other side of this? Because it's so foreign to me. I would say to you, it's the military because I didn't realize that when I was 17 making that decision, what it would cost me in terms of my creativity, you know? And what I mean by that is um, Roger Hamilton, a teacher in Asia, has these, um, the wealth dynamic profiles. And when I discovered my wealth dynamic profile, which is creator star mechanic, what I discovered also at the same time was that I always was comfortable as a creator and I always was comfortable as the mechanic doing the work, but I would leap clean over the star part, dismissing Mm -hmm. that as having no value. So my brother, right, who unfortunately has also passed, when I said this to my brother, my brother said, hey, come with me to these improv classes. And I was like, I don't want to do that. But <laughs> because he was so pumped, all right, let's go. And what I discovered was I needed that so that I could step, take a step out of perfectionism, people pleasing and proving, and just to be present. Just if that, um, you know, if that kind of answers your question. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, the, the, you know, improv is one of those uh, beautiful things that, you know, because you get into that yes and it's, it really takes you out of the either or thinking and, and helps you to, to really move into a, well, well, how else can this, you know, what else can we do with this? And, you know, what, so, so it does, it it opens the the mind up for a lot of creative, um, exploration. Um, you know, the other thing too, you know, kind of coming back to some of the basic questions that I typically ask for all of my guests, um, 
curiosity in childhood. You know, everybody feels like they, they believe that, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to open the curiosity, the creative doors of, you know, for your, your children, but that isn't always the case. Um, for me, you know, it was like, I learned, I, I had all the books I, I could read until I turned eight and my legs were long enough to operate a tractor, um, growing up on a farm. And so suddenly if you had time to read, well, you had time to do chores. And, and so that shut down a lot of that love of reading. Um, and, you know, everything was extremely practical. I had to really work hard. I still have to work hard to allow some of those creative pursuits. How about for you? How about what was your experience like? I feel like the analogy that you just gave is perfect, right? I was an avid reader as a child, but I also, so I, I need to go back into my lineage for just a second. So my great-great-grandmother was Native American Indian and my great-great-grandfather obviously was African-American. And my grandparents both grew up on plantations picking cotton as children. And they had this philosophy that what goes on in this house stays in this house. And you don't ask a whole bunch of questions. You don't show too much curiosity because it could cost you your life. And the stuff that you do know, you have to kind of hide that you know it, right? Because if you're smart, you can't be too smart. And not just because of race, but also your role, the gender role, right? Because why does a woman need to be smart? Her focus should be on being a pretty servant, right? That's a pretty a pretty sexual servant at that, right? This is yeah. where her focus should be. So um, there's so we have the the race, sex, gender dynamic then rooted in these historical traumas. So for me, it was always like, I could be smart, but I had to pretend like I wasn't. And I don't do a good job of playing dumb. And so I it always came across, especially because I'm in the body of a woman, oh, you're like, I remember in, in fifth grade, a, a girl saying to me, you're never going to have a boyfriend because you're too smart and you're competitive. And I was like, well, who wants a dumb boy? Do you know what I mean? So then I guess yeah. I'm going to be single forever. And um, so what I would say to you is I didn't realize until, so I'm 58. I didn't realize until I was 50 that my relationship with curiosity has not been this wild, delicious exploration of curiosity, things I've been curious about. It has been done in secret, you know, and, you know, you used to host these um, energy meetups. And I remember, you know, that this lady walked up to me that you wanted me to meet and you introduced us and we're and I thought we're having this wonderful conversation. And then all of a sudden her eyes narrowed and she said, like in a mean girl voice, like, what pedigree do you belong to? How do you know that? And you came, I remember you came out of nowhere and you were like, and you just like shut it down. And at that moment in when it was happening, I thought, oh, this has to do with race. And that's why Beverly came in to handle her. But it would be years, it wouldn't be until I was 50 that I would realize oh no, that was, it, maybe it was race, but it was really about gender because what she was doing was she was trying to, that you're a woman. There are things that you should not know and things you have no business knowing. And why are you stepping into a man's space? Because what I teach is typically just considered a white man's subject, right? So yeah. I would just say to you that for me, it wasn't, and now I'm 58, and I think the, the the thing that you said, for me, my statement is the next 50 years don't look like the last 50 years. I don't have any time to be spinning into a whole bunch of versions of myself that are not true. And if I'm genuinely curious about something, I just ask the question. And if people get triggered by me asking a question, it has really nothing to do with me, but it has taken me 50 <laughs> years to get to that point of being okay with curiosity. Yeah. I was part of a group um, for, you know, for, for business owners. Uh, it, it typically was a lot of men and a lot of the questions that 
I would ask that would seem so obvious to me as a woman um, and as someone who has had a very diverse career, who's also wrapped it around motherhood and moving and, you know, all of those things, it, it was very much the, oh, wow, that's such a fascinating. How yes. did you come up with that? Yes. Yes. Because I got a brain. Yeah. Yes. And I see things, you know, and again, I think that's where the intuition piece comes in. You know, yeah. so again, kind of coming back to the part, you know, where you were, how we met in the first place. I think one of the reasons why you are such a profoundly impactful person doing the, uh, you know, working with business owners to, to do their, their revenue strategy is that you don't just look at the numbers and the, the, the face value. Um, you're able to almost connect with the business as if the business was a person. And you help the person who's running it see how are how, what does the business really want to do? Where does this go? And how can this collaboration work together? And you know, talk some more about that because you know you're especially coming from you know what you just described about you know you 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 gotta you gotta be, shh, you gotta be secret you can't because truly when your ancestors were enslaved. <clears throat> You couldn't even, you know, letting know that you letting on that you could read, let alone, you know, come up with all these mm-hmm. other concepts. That 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 would definitely unalive you very quickly. Or if you know, yeah. if even that, just you know, it would hurt a lot. Um, well, so yeah, funny. I will say this. You know, um, I remember the very first time you said to me, um, Kadina, one of the things that I want you to think about is one of the things that's scaring people is that they think that they and their business are one. And what you're talking about is that your business is this separate thing. Yes, it's a part of you because it's your vision, right? But what is this vision asking of you, right? Because you're the steward of of the vision, right? And I remember the first time you said that to me and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the perfect analogy, because what I noticed was happening is that take, for example, with money, I'm a revenue strategist. So when a, when a woman says, for example, I want to start a business and I say, well, how much money do you want to make? Instantly, right then and there, many women are like shut down. And then I'm like, back up a second. (laughs) I need you to calm down. (laughs) What, how much money does this business need to generate, this is not about you, what does this business need to generate so that not only can you pay yourself and make some of your dreams come true, but you can't be every box in the organizational chart. So you're going to have to hire some support. How much money do you need to be able to pay those people, right? And with joy and ease, what are your operating costs, et cetera, et cetera. And so now when we look at the number, this number is not a reflection of your worth and your value. This number is a reflection of what the business needs to do its best work in the world. And that I feel like when you separated them, separated them from me, that helped me to see why all these women were overwhelmed. And then I got curious about the fact that, so my whole, I would say to you, maybe from age 12, yeah, probably age 12, I've always, um, not to get into a religious conversation, but this will tie into the curiosity piece. So it says in the Bible that you are created in the image and likeness of God. So I was like, well, there's men and there's women. So is God a man or a woman, like, right? And, it's a, and then no, it's neither. And certainly not a black woman, right? Or a white woman or a white man or a black man, right? It's, it's not a human, right? So the first thing that I had to do was say, what does that mean? So what I decided to do is instead of focusing on the image, I decided to focus on creations. Remember I said, I'm creator, star mechanic. So right. if God created blank, then that means, and I'm, and I'm created in the image and likeness. So that means I must be a creator too. So if I'm a creator, what am I creating? And then in this creation, as it goes out into the world, we live in a capitalist society 
but we have to pay bills. So we can't be out here acting like money don't count because you'll be, you know, um, not living in a way that feels good to you or anybody else. Right. So what I can say to you is curiosity has been that driver of how do you how do you create that interplay between play, productivity, pleasure and profitability? And that has been, for me, that is the driver. That is is such a powerful statement right there. I, I love how you're bringing all of that together. Because, again, I think most of us or many, you know, I, I know certainly I did. Growing up, work had to be hard. Yes. You had to be exhausted at the end of the day. And if you weren't, then it wasn't real work. Um, and, and which is why I think also there's a big divide between rural America and, and, uh, urban America, because that the physical labor, there's great honor in that. And there's a difference between the mental labor. Uh, I mean, there's been so much talk about emotional labor in families, you know, how it's the, the, typically the women who are remembering the birthdays, remembering the grocery list, keeping track of, you know, all the, the kids' activities, and then reminding uh, their partner that, oh, this is what's coming up. You know, that's a that's a different type of, of labor, but it's all, it's all labor. And, and making one more honorable than the other is, is insane. Um, you know, you, you made a comment though about um, how you were, you felt like, you know, well, why, why do you as a black woman know this stuff? This is a, this is like a white man's world. Um, yeah, I, I, I hear that. And, and I see that it's, it's, um, you know, certainly has, has been that way. Are you beginning to feel with the work? Cause you're working now um, in the, the, uh, there's like a, a incubator program, if I remember correctly, that you are now working with, uh, is it primarily, it's primarily minority owned uh, businesses, correct? No, no. Oh. The Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program is a diverse, pro- it's a diverse population. So, not just in terms of race, but in terms of business, right? So each cohort are basically business owners in general who are wanting to scale. So the requirements of the program, right? It has nothing to do with race. What I would say to you is the subject that I teach, business model design, innovation, strategy, those are typically considered masculine, you know, orientations, if you will, right? Because, and we're talking about culture now, so not race, but culturally, culturally, a woman's place in North America is that of her aspiration should be to be somebody's wife or somebody's mama, right? Pretty much, that's her path. Trad wife. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Right. And so when we, when we look at, I'm talking about you being a business owner, I'm automatically bumping up against your beliefs of your own capacity and capability. Right. And so what I would say is the emotional labor the mental labor, the physical labor, you're absolutely correct. There's a divide, there's this divisive energy around all of that, right? That shows up just culturally, I think in terms of North America, right? And I can't speak for anywhere else in the world because I live in North America. So I can only speak to my own lived experience. So what I would say is a lot of the business owners, and this is male or female, right? We do not teach financial literacy and business literacy kindergarten to 12th grade. And so you have a lot of people who believe that entrepreneurship is a, like, I was born an entrepreneur, right? And then you have other people who say, oh, you guys have all that book knowledge, but you don't know like how to be entrepreneur. It's a skill set like anything else. 
right? To be an entrepreneur is a set of skills, right? Whether those skills are leadership skills, communication skills that help you to be able to market and sell, right? Or your relationship, right? Type of skills. It's a set of skills. And so once you begin to have a different conversation with people, then you're, I'm inviting them to be curious enough to discover what are the gifts, talents, strengths, and abilities that already lie resident within you, right? That you're willing to shine the spotlight on, so to speak, and trust that you're going to emerge with a treasure, right? That sometimes might look like what a diamond in the rough looks like. Because I think people are scared that this is my personal opinion. I meet people who say, I'm scared of success and I'm scared of failure. And I'm like, let's cut through the chase, right? You're scared of knowing who you are because know thyself is a terrifying thing for a lot of people. So let's like cut through all the layers of all the stuff, right? It's know thyself. You're scared that if somebody looks too deeply into your eyes or talks to you for too long or shines the light on you, that somebody's going to discover that you're not perfect. And baby, guess what? We already know that because we're perfectly imperfect. So like get it together and let's step into an invitation to go within because anything that you see outside of you is a manifestation of the thoughts that you're thinking. And people don't like to hear that. It's the thoughts that you're thinking, right? And there's this, it's like people say, for example, I want to have a million dollar business, but inside of themselves, they feel unworthy, undeserving, unlovable, Mm -hmm. unseen, unheard, unknown, like all the things. And then they say to you, but you need to help me. So Beverly, I'm going to hire you so you can do the feng shui on my house and you come over there and clean their house up and they're still not making money. Right. And then I show them how to create their their business that's in alignment with them and they're still not making money. At some point, you got to get curious enough to say, what are the thoughts that I'm thinking that are not in alignment with my heart's desire? Right. And am I doing, saying, and being things that are not me because I'm looking for outside of myself for love, validation, approval, et cetera. So that's where I I feel like curiosity can be a great guidepost to you. Are you like, one last thing. I love Wayne Dyer's illustration where he said, you lose your keys inside the house. Why are you outside with the flashlight and under a stoplight looking for your keys? Right? Why are we, why are yeah. you doing that? Right? That to me was like the perfect illustration of how we live our lives and where we're curious, but only if it's comfortable. And uh, that, yeah. so you, your point there about and being an entrepreneur is the quickest way to personal development there is if you uh, acknowledge it because like you said if you the the fastest way to to making a person uncomfortable is uh again looking under the hood looking at okay and it's your own hood you're your own boss you can't blame Mm -hmm. anybody else i mean i could be upset with my you know my boss all day long well i'm the boss so eh. so how is that how is that working and i think that's one of the reasons why being an entrepreneur, um, have you know, running your own business, it is, it is when when you make the business you, and about you, and you're not being the guide, the steward, the nurturer of this this idea. Um, I think it, it becomes more, um, it becomes easier if you can look at it from that perspective. But yeah, you have to look within yourself before you can. Um, you know, so you can see, you know, what, well, where was I, where was I wandering off to, uh, <laughs> when I lost those keys, like you said, you know, that's one of the things with feng shui I like is because I can, I, when I look in a person's home, you know, if they're my client, if I'm just visiting your house, no, I am not analyzing you. Um, but where clutter happens, depending upon what, uh, which of the nine sectors of the Bagua map, that often is a clue as to where those keys were left. What is it that is it is it because you don't feel you have enough um, knowledge? Is your knowledge base uh, you know if the, if the clutter's happening in the northeast part of your home? 
Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh, <clears throat> um, or in the East, which is the um, family and ancestors uh, sector, you know, so those are some old ideas that you're bringing forward that, you know, those old tapes. So again, going, uh, calling back to the feeling of curiosity being a little bit dangerous um, for, for his people. But anyway, that's, that's kind of the thing that, um, that, that brought, <coughs> brought up there. Um, the, um, oh shoot, there was something else I was going to comment on. And now I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. The, the um, masculine feminine piece, you know, that, that talking about a lot of the, the revenue talking about the, um, you know, that it, it's, it's, not terribly feminine to to be discussing some of those things, you know, in the Chinese uh, way of looking at things, the yin and yang um, often are uh, they, they, everything is always about well the yang directions, the masculine, the outward, the faster moving, um, the sharper edged pieces that was always preferable because the that was how most of the time the money was brought in. And then the yin energy, which was more the inward looking, the, um, the feminine, the soft, the cushy, you know, the textural, the, that was considered to be the inauspicious directions. Um, one of the reasons why when I studied, started studying feng shui, I did more of the Western version because that just having good directions and bad directions just felt wrong to me. And it wasn't until I found my current teacher, Joey Yap, who reframed it as more of the external influence versus the internal influence and re and and you know really bringing it together that you need to have both in order for a business to truly be successful it needs to have as much of a you know good strong uh, ground game as a as a as the mental the internal uh, focus most people these days are not they need purpose in their jobs. Doing something that is just, you know, you know, making one widget at a time is soul sucking. And, and the fact that you're bringing all of these pieces to play when you're advising uh, these, these clients of yours, it is, it is how they can succeed for the long term. Um, how wanna, do you I speak? Hold on. Oh, go ahead. I want to speak to something that you just said because I think it's really important, especially um, for people who have a tendency to think in terms of roles and, and gender. When we look at money, specifically the energy of money, you know, money flows in, right? It comes mm -hmm. in. And then it also goes out. And I think what a lot of business owners, having nothing to do with race, sex, or gender, business owners have to understand is that you can be fabulous at the gift that you use to help and serve other people. But if you don't understand your financials, you don't really understand how, how it's affecting your business. So for example, if you are a person who was raised to be a hard worker like we were, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't know what overgiving and under-earning looks like unless you do your numbers. When you say, I did this huge output, right? And then I got paid this amount. You have to ask yourself, wait a minute. That's not even the highest and best use of my time if I don't document it, right? And hire somebody else. Like it took me a minute to understand that it doesn't mean that I'm lazy if I hire administrative support. That is not the highest and best use of my gift, my time. You, you follow me? So when we, I guess. so I feel like from an energetic perspective, We've got to get curious enough to say, where is my zone of genius? And then what do I need to outsource? What do I need to delegate? And then look at the pricing and then understanding the money. It's a giving and receiving. It's a circle and there's flow, right? But when you think you have to be, do all the things in order to have all the things right there, you're out of energetic alignment. And you're unhappy, you know, and, and 
I don't believe that we're just, we're all down here to suffer. And so I think we have to start in asking a different question about what we think success is. Do you know what I mean? And what we think work is, because people really out here acting like all that you're supposed to be doing is working by the sweat of your brow. (laughs) So yeah, it took years to get over that. Beverly, my God. Oh, I would love to say that I am over that. Um, but I think there still is that hum, no matter how much work I do surrounding that. There's that, uh, you know, especially like right now in the news, there's all these talks of layoffs. And I mean, come on, we got layoffs, we got wars, we've got, you know, elections. I think it's be our companion. I agree. But I think we have to. I think we're wiser. I mean, I'm listen, it's still a struggle of mine too. It's the onion that's unpeeling a new layer, right? Mm-hmm, but I think mm-hmm. we have to get and yet, and usually when you unpeel a layer, there's a little bit of tears. Hello, so. right? <laughs> and then you just say to people, like, as you know, you know, I just had to ask myself, like, why are you doing all this stuff? Like, what are you trying to prove? <laughs> what are you doing? Save yourself from yourself. Yes. There was a, oh, you know, I, I cannot even remember who it was, but she had these different personas. And one of them that, that the only one that's really stuck with me was Holly Prove It. <laughs> and the way she described it was like, I've never felt more called out in my life. Because again, as someone who is, um, well, we don't, again, you're, you're, I, I, I've, I've got skills, but I also have an incredibly non-traditional career path. And even though I know things, um, there's that part of me that's like, well, I have to work extra hard to, to prove that I am worthy of being in these spaces, talking to people who have had so much other experience. And I absolutely honor and value every everything that you know people have gone through to to achieve their goals i would never for example uh come in and try to tell my daughter who's a you know a veterinarian you know that hey i know more about this than you do but you know what there's another topic that i do know more about and that's okay <laughs> so you know i i think it's it's um as as women for so many years, especially women of our age group, um, we grew up with mothers who grew up with mothers who were taught that we are the helpers, you know, we are the wind beneath the men's wings, and you know that's that's a great thing to do if that's how you are wired. But sometimes some of us want to be the ones that are flying more. You know, we don't want to be just, you know, blowing smoke. We want to, we want to be, we want to be the soaring one. So like you said, you know, being, you kept jumping over this, being the star part of that um, money profile. What was the name of that again? Just so that oh, I can make a note of it and, and put it in the show notes. It's the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses, affectionately known as 10KSB. But there was a money profile or a, a financial profile. Oh, you're talking about Roger Hamilton's that Wealth one. Dynamics profile. Yes. Well, I'll have to get that link and put that in the show notes because I think that would be um, a fascinating thing for people to understand because too many people, again, they're just afraid to talk about money. You know, money, you know, especially you, you, you brought up religion earlier. You know, let's face it, we've all, most of us grew up with hearing, um, especially those in the Christian tradition, that, you know, money is the root of all evil, um, you know, easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man. And, you know, it's better to give than receive. And, and you know what's wild about that? When I was taught the exact same things, right? Yeah. But the same people don't teach that. It also says in the Bible that a laborer is worthy of his hire. They'll teach that part, right? So, yes, I know. And it also says, you shall go in and possess the land, right? When he was talking to (laughs) the Israelites, he didn't say go up in there and rent, say you shall possess the land. So all these people scared to be homeowners, scared to own their businesses, scared to own their truth, own their value. It's like, stop it. You know, we got to start looking at the cultural indoctrination and be curious enough 
to ask a question. I'm not saying you got to act on everything that you discover, right? There's a lot of things that I know that people don't know that I know, right? Because you don't need to tell people everything that you know to be significant. But what I do think that you do have to do is you have to stop telling yourself that you're insignificant or that you're unworthy or you're undeserving. And we have to stop doing the thing that they taught us to do in second grade, which is to compare and contrast. We compare and contrast ourselves to other people all the time. Right. There are people, you know, who've been in business, you know, two days who are comparing themselves to somebody who's been in business for 30 years and then mm-hmm. feeling bad about themselves because of that compare contrast energy. And I'm like, stop it. Stay in your own lane and get curious enough to discover what are the gifts, the talents, the strengths, the abilities that lie within you. Right. And what is being asked of you, right, to do to put your greatest work in the world? And there is some doing. I didn't say you had to do all the things, right, for all, because there are people who are like, I'm never going to work another day of my life. I want a soft life. Sorry. Like you, there's some work that you have to do. I didn't say you Mm got to work hard, right, to the bone and all, and work all hours of the night. You can work smart and more efficiently. But I do want to say one more thing to something that you said, because you grew up on a farm. So, I grew up where, I will always remember this, um, a math teacher when I was in um, elementary school. I was in honors classes. And when I was in the sixth grade, I heard an elementary school teacher tell a student who was being bad as I was walking past in the hall. This woman said to the student, she said, listen, you can either dig ditches or own the company, or design the blueprint for the person who's digging the ditches. Make a decision right now. This is a sixth grader. Make a decision right now. Are you going to be the dig ditcher or the person that drew the blueprint for the person who's digging the ditch? And I was like, and you know, I just remember doing like this and walk past the class, right? But that statement has stayed with me my whole life. Which one do you want to be? Because they're both hard work. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that people don't realize. And I didn't know they're both hard, but which one is more suited to your personality? It's not one is better than the other because they're both hard. And I pick your hard. Yes. Just pick your hard and pick your hard. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? Speaking of playing with it, you know, we only have a few more minutes left, but I just wanted to to give you a quick shout out with the the work that you've been doing using a lot of these new AI generative, you know, generative tools and helping helping people that are in your your course, you know, you know, working with the uh, the Goldman Sachs folks. Uh of integrating and and using this as a new tool rather than being afraid of being displaced by AI, by, you know, chat GPT and all of that. So, um, you know, again, we've only got five minutes, but uh, real quickly, can you share something for others that they, you know, maybe give them a little bit of a reframe on some of these tools that there's a lot of fear mongering going on about with it? Well, one of of the things that this is just me, I look at it as a tool, right? Not anything more or less. It's just a tool. And one of the things that I like to say to people is, remember, my mantra is um, know thyself, right? Which was written at the Temple of Delphi. And so if you know yourself, so take, for example, um, I am a revenue strategist and a business model designer, right? That's who I that's my profession, right? So I'm going to go into chat GPT and I'm really looking at how can I create a conversation to help me strengthen my own knowledge? This is just, I see it very differently than other people. Other people, it's going to replace me. And I'm like, no, first of all, there are things about what I do that I don't even, um, and this is going to sound convoluted, what's about to come out of my mouth. Sometimes you don't even know what you're good at. Stuff that you think is just, it's, that's why these people are like, oh my God, you're so amazing. And you're looking at them like, you need to get out more. When really it's because you don't know yourself and you don't know the value of what you bring to the table. So I will, I believe in prompt engineering. I think everybody needs to learn how to write good prompts. 
I believe that everybody needs to initially use ChatGPT to interview you. And it's just as simple as, right, um, you are an expert interviewer. I am a revenue strategist, right? Ask me one question at a time to help a person discover why I am the best person for them to hire. And then they ask you one question at a time, you answer the question and it becomes like this interview. And if there's something that you know that you need to be asked or that somebody's going to ask you, like, let's just pretend, well, what is a revenue strategist? Then you can say, oh, you didn't ask me what a revenue strategist is. And then then you say what you think it is and then say, is there anything else that I, I should add to this? And then it will tell you. And so that's like the first thing is interview yourself. Then the next thing is you are an expert HR director, right? If you were hiring a revenue strategist, right? Create a job description and a list of roles and responsibilities or tasks and responsibilities for me. So this way you can see what other people expect of you and stuff like this is how I was able to see all my overgiving. Okay. So I've always been curious, like, what am I doing? Da, da, da. But it wasn't until... Um, well, I started with Jasper. It wasn't until Jasper came along and then ChatGPT that I was able to see, oh, wait a minute. I'm doing like 10 times this stuff right here, right? Or I would say, you are an expert project manager, right? <laughs> You're an expert project manager, like document the standard operating procedures for blank. And then I would be able to see, I'm over here, like on the on the little list of what it says, I literally, my list is like 10 times that. So what it did was it helped me just in full transparency, because you know, I, I believe in telling uncomfortable truths. That's what helped me to hire the virtual assistant team in the Philippines. Because when I saw all the things that I was doing, and this is why I'm exhausted, it was like, oh, I don't even know what I should outsource and delegate. Well, now I do because I have job descriptions. I have standard operating procedures. I have operational um, processes. I have everything with the support of ChatGPT to document all those things within my business. And then by me helping my people do the same, we can run more efficient, streamlined businesses. Nobody's out of work. Everybody now has a deeper sense of what's my zone of genius. Oh, that is absolutely brilliant. You know, I think when you said the prompt engineering too, <clears throat> that knowing the right questions to ask, how to ask the right questions, that's only going to improve our communication skills with humans too. Oh, one more thing based upon what you just said, because that's very, very important. So I'm 58. So in my 58 years of living, what has been important was that you have to know all the answers. And that's why curiosity was all about study and researching. And you saw a lot of people hoarding information. That time has passed. I need everyone mm -hmm. to understand. We are now in the era of inquiry. Mm -hmm. If you do not know how to ask questions, not the answers, ask the right questions, in both your personal and interpersonal relationships and whether it's chat GPT or anything else, you're not going to be able, right, to move on down the road like you want to because you have to be able to listen more effectively. So now it's no longer about, I know everything. Now it's asking a question and I'm closing my mouth and I'm listening and I'm looking at how does this feel in my body? Am I in alignment with it? And if I'm not, if I'm in my integrity, I need to outsource this. Right. right. And so people will always have jobs because I'm not looking through the lens of scarcity. I'm looking at, I have, maybe I'm creating a new job for somebody else because baby, that's not me. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that, that, you know, how you, you closed your eyes, that they're describing Again, how you're accessing your physical body to ascertain what is what is wise for me yeah. to move forward with the wisdom piece. So, you know, that's that is the next 20 year cycle uh, that we are moving into as well. But we are now out of time. Kadena, this has gone by so fast. <laughs>
We just always, <laughs> always have so much fun talking and uh, limiting ourselves to one hour is uh, is hard. But thank you so much. Maybe we can uh, have you come back again for some other time. Oh, that would be awesome. Thank you so much, Beverly. You're, you're so welcome. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And thanks again to all of our listeners. Have a good one.